Welcome back to Generals and Napoleon, Episode 9, Marshal Monsi, Duke of Conigliano. Before we begin, I'd like to highlight the platforms where you can hear this podcast. Obviously, Anchor and its parent company, Spotify, are two good choices. But you can also hear this show on Apple Podcasts, Radio Public, Audible, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, CastBox, Podcast Addict, and Pocket Casts. I'd also like to thank you in advance for any ratings or reviews you provide on these platforms. Now, back to our show. Conigliano is a town in Italy known for the dry white wine Prosecco. Appropriate that Marshal Monsi himself resembled a dignified aged wine. He had a sterling battle record of seven wins against only two losses. But he fell out of favor with Napoleon towards the latter years of the empire. His military reputation was made, lost, and made again in Spain. His personal reputation was made through honesty. He impressively refused orders from both Napoleon and his successor, King Louis XVIII, and lived to tell about it. He was considered the wise old man of the Marshalate. For you Star Wars fans, he was sort of like Yoda, dispensing sage advice and counsel to the other marshals and generals. On July 31st, 1754, the future marshal was born as Bon Adrien Monsi in the little village of Besançon, France. He was the son of a well-to-do lawyer, Francois-Antoine de Genot, who was able to provide his son with a solid education. The study of law and life behind a desk didn't suit Monsi's restless disposition. During his teenage years, he twice enlisted in the army, and twice his father paid for his discharge, first in 1769 and again in 1773. At the age of 20, the glamour and nobility of warfare was too strong of a draw, and he enlisted again in 1778 as a private in an elite unit stationed at Versailles. Monsi is described as a tall, handsome man with a regal bearing. His education and self-confidence allowed him to finally secure a commission as a sub-lieutenant in 1779. This, in itself, was a miracle. The Royal Army, before the French Revolution, was very rigid. A promotion to officer required proof of four generations of nobility, at the minimum, to qualify for a direct commission. So you had to prove that your great-great-grandparents were rich and listed amongst the nobility, as well as your great-grandparents, your grandparents, and your parents. Just think about that vetting process for a second. Luckily for Monsi, the army in 1779 was rife with desertion and poor discipline. Following the purge of officers in the wake of King Louis XVI's downfall, it was estimated that 6,000 officers, representing 60% of the officer establishment, had fled the country. In 1792, another 2,000 officers were removed for poor performance and or royalist tendencies. 
1790, he married his wife, Charlotte, who was 29 at the time, while Monsey was 36. The year after, Monsey received a promotion to captain. Thus, it took him 23 years of hard service to get from private to captain. Not surprisingly, he embraced the ideals of the French Revolution. The new army in 1793, according to Napoleon, was, quote, a career open to talent, end quote. A few years after his promotion to captain, we find Monsey as a general of division in the army of the Western Pyrenees in Spain. Monsey's troops were so prolific in notching victories that he almost single-handedly knocked Spain out of the first coalition. This was the name given to the alliance of royalist countries, including Spain, Britain, Russia, Austria, and Prussia, that tried in vain to stop the French Revolution for five years. Monsey first distinguished himself at Chateau Pignon, where he forced the Spanish into a retreat. He won again at the Battle of Baston Valley, capturing 2,000 Spanish soldiers and seizing 300 cannons. In October of 1794, he led 46,000 troops at the Battle of Orbizeta, where they crushed the Spanish troops, inflicting 4,000 casualties and capturing 50 cannons. However, like all French Republican armies of the time, they were desperately short of supplies, ammunition, and food. Monsey used this as a driving force to commit his men to victory. As the saying goes, the legs feed the wolf. It was victory or death. In July of 1795, he captured Vittoria, the same place where 18 years later, Marshal Jordan and King Joseph would be humbled by the Duke of Wellington. By August of 1795, his army had crossed the Ebro River as his men were approaching Pamplona. But the Treaty of Basel was announced, ending Spain's involvement in the First Coalition. No doubt that Monsi's successful actions had a huge part in the Spanish suing for peace. The Army of the Western Pyrenees was then disbanded and Monsey went home to France to recuperate from the years of campaigning in Spain. He was later employed in high commands throughout various parts of France, but was dismissed in 1799 for having royalist tendencies. Later that year, Monsey supported Napoleon's coup as first council. Monsey didn't really care who ran the government, as long as the country and army remained honorable. In May of 1800, Monsey assisted Napoleon in his Marengo campaign, leading 16,000 troops over St. Gothard's Pass in the Alps. Monsey's experience in mountain warfare helped guide troops, horses, and cannons over this 6,000-foot pass. Once in Italy, he joined up with General MacDonald's troops to fall upon the Austrians' line of communications. After Napoleon's close-run victory at Marengo, peace was declared with Austria, and Monsey returned to France as Inspector General of the Gendarmerie. The Gendarmerie is a military force with internal law enforcement duties. 
1803, Monsey helped uncover the details of one of the more serious plots against Napoleon's life, which involved disgraced French generals Pichegru and Moreau. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. In 1804, Monsi made the list as one of the original 18 marshals of the empire. Were there generals with more qualifications to be marshal? Probably. But again, Napoleon was trying to unify all segments of the army. And Monsi was a Republican general from the Army of the Pyrenees and was highly respected by other generals in the army. In 1808, at the age of 53, he was assigned to Spain with a force of about 30,000 troops, most of which were conscripts. The Peninsula War as the France-Spain War became known, was a brutal affair, with atrocities committed on both sides. Napoleon needed generals like Monsi, who had prior experience in Spanish warfare. Monsi's army had an eventful first month in country. It was spent fighting the Spanish army and irregular guerrillas on a non-stop basis. To Monsi's credit in Spain, he forced two of the largest mountain passes in the world and occupied the towns of Biscay and Navarre. In June of 1808, he was assigned with taking the city of Valencia, but with only 9,000 men and virtually no artillery allotted for the task. This small force was totally inadequate for such a large venture, as the Spanish had 20,000 men in their garrison, and another 80,000 city inhabitants. Monsi first tried the backdoor approach through lightly defended city defiles, but here he was checked. He tried again with a full frontal assault on June 28th, but again was beaten back with 1,200 casualties. Monsi, at this point, was compelled to retreat. Unlike other marshals and generals in Spain, who turned a blind eye to pillage and destruction, 
Mansi refused to allow his troops to participate in the horrible excesses of this period. In 1808, one of the opposing Spanish juntas that controlled segmented parts of Spain wrote the following letter of accommodation regarding Mansi. Quote, We know this illustrious general detests the conduct of his companions. We offer him the tribute of truth and honor, and we invite this generous soldier to aid us by the addition of his talents and bravery. End quote. After failing to take Valencia, Monsi received the wrath of Napoleon for this setback. But upon reflection, even Napoleon realized the impossibility of the Valencia task, saying, quote, One does not take a town of 80,000 souls by the scruff of the neck. End quote. In July 1808, Napoleon made Monsi the Duke of Conegliano. In December, Monsi attempted to take Saragossa, but after a plotting attempt to force the Spaniards to surrender, his command was taken over by Marshal Lan. Saragossa was finally taken by Lan after three months of blowing up every house block by block, resulting in huge casualties on both sides. In 1812, he boldly refused to serve in the emperor's invasion of Russia. He simply didn't believe the venture was a prudent one, and he was to be proven right. From 1812 to 1814, Monsi was inspector of the National Guard. In January 1814, he was placed in charge of the Paris National Guard and probably felt the Allies wouldn't get anywhere close to Paris. Indeed, in February of that year, the Emperor had a return to form and thrashed the Allies in a number of dashing battles during the Six Days Campaign. But the Allies had troops to spare. Napoleon did not. Finally, the Allies sidestepped Napoleon's field army and reset their goal to the conquest of the capital. At the Battle of Clichy at the gates of Paris, Monsi led a gallant defense. At the time, the Clichy Gate was one of 56 entries into the capital. Napoleon's brother, Joseph, was left in charge of the city's defenses. As usual, this timid brother wasn't up to the task and abandoned the city. Monsi and Marshal Marmont scraped together 38,000 men to oppose the 111,000 troops of the Allies. Monsi provided great encouragement to the untrained National Guard units during this desperate battle. Eventually, Marshal Marmont surrendered his corps to the Allies, and Paris was declared an open city. Monsi led his corps off to Fontainebleau to meet up with the Emperor. At first, Napoleon wanted to march on Paris and destroy the Allies, but the marshals rejected this idea. As Marshal Oudinot stated, quote, that would mean we cease to be soldiers and become partisans, end quote. After Napoleon's abdication, Monsi accepted the government of King Louis XVIII and became a peer of France in June of 1814. When Napoleon escaped from Elba, Monsi again returned to the call of glory and received a peer appointment from Napoleon in June of 1815. 
Upon the return of King Louis, Marshal Monsey was to be punished for desertion. He was forced by the king to preside over the trial of his brother Marshal Ney. Ney's actions during the Hundred Days are a well-known part of the Napoleonic legend. Ney was serving King Louis XVIII when Napoleon escaped Elba and made the famous remark that the former emperor ought to be brought back to Paris in an iron cage. King Louis dispatched Ney to impede Napoleon's progress to Paris, but instead of doing so, he deserted with his troops, and Napoleon's march became the stuff of legend. Ney's act was undeniably treason to the king, but it wasn't calculated treason. In his usual noble way, Monsey penned his defiance to the king with one of the most moving letters from the era. Quote, Sire, placed in the cruel dilemma of having to choose between disobeying your majesty or being false to my own conscience, I do not enter into the question of deciding whether Marshal Ney is innocent or guilty. Sire, if those who direct your majesty's counsels thought only of your welfare, they would tell you that the scaffold has never made friends. Do they imagine that death is so terrible for those who have so often braved it? No, sire. You yourself will not disapprove of my resolve. Twenty-five years of glorious services shall not be dimmed in one day. My hair, grown gray under the helmet, shall not become the mark of dishonor. My life, my fortune, all that is dearest to me, belongs to my country and to my king. But my honor is my own, and no power on earth can wrest it from me. If I am to leave my children my name as their only inheritance, at least it shall not be tarnished. Is it for me to pronounce upon the fate of Marshal Ney? Sire, allow me to ask your majesty, where were his accusers while Ney was fighting on so many fields of battle? At the crossing of the Berezina, in the midst of that awful catastrophe, it was Ney who saved the remnant of the army. Am I to send to death the man whom so many Frenchmen owe their lives, so many families, their sons, their husbands, and relatives? Forgive, sire, the frankness of an old soldier who always avoiding intrigues has only concerned himself with his profession and his country, end quote. For this act, he was stripped of his marshal's title and sent to prison for three months by the king. But as the saying goes, time heals all wounds. In 1819, the king restored him to favor and reinstated him as a marshal of France. In 1823, he returned to Spain again at the head of a French army to, oddly enough, restore the Spanish king to his throne. He was joined by Marshal Udino on a triumphant march to Madrid. This was a different type of war versus the Peninsula War of 1808 to 1814. The Spanish people forgot all about the torturings and hangings. There were no popular uprisings against the French invaders. Catalonia and Madrid were captured, and the Spanish king got his throne back. French diplomat and historian 
Chateaubriand remarked on this 1823 war, quote, striding across the Spains, succeeding where Bonaparte had failed, triumphing on the same soil where a great man's arms had suffered setbacks, doing so in six months, what he was unable to do in seven years was a true miracle, end quote. The main difference was the French knew better this time than to impose a for foreign ruler upon the Spaniards. After this success, Monsi's final posting was that of governor of Les Invalides from 1833 to 1842. The marshal and his wife Charlotte had three children. Anne Francois, who lived from 1791 to 1842, she married a man who was permitted by the king to add de Moncy to his surname. They had a son, Bon Louis, but he died tragically at the age of 25 in a hunting accident. Their youngest, Jean Francois, lived from 1807 to 1853. Her husband actually inherited his father-in-law's titles, becoming the second Duke of Cone Leano. In 1840, Monsi was present at the return of Napoleon's remains in December of that year. He joined the procession along with Marshals Oudinot, Soult, and Grouchy. The other two surviving Marshals, Victor and Marmont, stayed away from the event and were probably not missed by anyone. After the funeral was over, Marshal Monsi remarked prophetically, quote, now let us go home and die, end quote. The honest marshal passed in April of 1842, with his wife passing a few weeks later. On the topic of assessment of the marshal's military performance, Napoleon only stated that he was, quote, an honest man, end quote. I believe we can wrap up our episode at this point. Join us next time when we learn about the illustrious career of Marshal Soult. He is one of only six men in history to be elevated to the rank of Marshal General of France. How rare is this feat, you ask? Twice as many men have walked on the moon. Thanks for listening.